Welcome to Trigger Talk Radio with your host, Dick Kupke. From handguns to rifles and hunting to self-defense, even a bit of politics. It's time to exercise your First and Second Amendment rights. Call and join the conversation, 734-822-1600. And now, your host, Dick Kupke. Well, good morning and welcome back to Trigger Talk. And here we are, June 17th, live in studio. So if you want to call and talk to me today, make sure you call the studio line, 734-822-1600. And we'll talk about all things uh, guns. I want to say I, I have a little difficulty lately finding good stories and fun stories about guns that you read you know, like new new products and things like that. It's the the media is so full of anti-gun politics and pro-gun politics and lawsuits and things like that. Ah, so I always look forward to on, on days like today, when uh, when I've got I'm heavy into the politics stories. Uh, I love it when I have listeners call and take me off track and talk about a gun that they just got. Maybe they just, maybe you got a new gun and you you haven't even taken it to the range yet, or maybe you did take it to the range and you love it. Give me a call and let's talk about it. So I'd like to hear range reports today from people. Uh, let's see, our normal things we talk about are like gun shows. There's only one gun show in Michigan listed, and that's the Great Lakes Cartridge Show. That's interesting, a cartridge show. I assume it has guns too but they're talking about cartridges. It's at the Royal Scott Golf and Bowl in Lansing, Michigan. Ohio's got a couple. We got the Fernald Gun and Knife Show in Ross, Ohio. Indoor gun, the Indoor Gun Show and Outdoor Flea Market at Shorty's Auction and Liquidation in Tiffin, Ohio. I think they're stretching to get some of these here. Let's see. Then we've got um, the uh, Westland Mall Gun Show in Westland Mall, Columbus, Ohio. So that's about it there. couple in Missouri. We've got the Veterans Gun and Knife Show in Springfield, Mo, and the RK Kansas City Gun Show in Kansas City, Mo. Uh, Arizona has got just a couple, and I'm mentioning these because, of course, for those of you who don't listen all the time, we have listeners all over the country. And... Um, and so I like to, when I have regular listeners that call in and talk to me about something and they're from Arizona or, well, Mike from Long Island was formerly from Long Island, but now he's moved to Arizona. So that's kind of like why I talk about Arizona. Also, my friend Paul out there. And uh, let's see, Gary lives out there too. So we got several people out there. There's the Glendale three-day gun show in Glendale, Arizona at the Civic Center. The Bull, I love this name of this city, Bullhead City, Arizona. Bullhead Mojave Gun Show in Bullhead City. And this one, actually, I, I don't, uh, it's interesting that it's the great Las Vegas gun show in the Las Vegas Convention Center, but they listed that under Arizona, even though it's Nevada. So let's see our numbers for CPLs. We are still, uh, with our, Jan our June 1st numbers, 809,927 in Michigan now. Remember that just 20 years ago, in 2003, we had 40,000 
CPLs in the state because we were a May-issue state, which meant you had to go and sit in front of a local board or a sheriff, and, and he would say, eh, maybe we will, maybe you won't. Uh, let's see, are we going to... Uh, who did you contribute to in the last election? If you contributed to my election campaign, maybe you'll get it. That's, that's what happens out in California and places like that. Now we're a shall-issue state, which says... You shall be issued a CPL unless there's a compelling reason not to, like you're a felon, okay? Uh, you're a domestic abuser. You, you know, all that kind of stuff, okay? Uh, let's see. I was going to, and I want to mention last week I was gone. I did a pre recorded show. I hope you found that interesting. We talked about the AR and the Glock and history like that. But, and Women on Target was a great success. We had a hoot, okay? The weather was perfect. Uh, we had, 66 women that showed up for it and um, we we just had an outstanding time and so that's actually the beginning of our um, double whammy of the summer events for Tri-County Sportsman's League. We start out with women on target in June and we follow up in July with cord or kids on the road uh, kids on the road kids on the range day not on the road uh, that's like ford found on the road dead remember they always used to say that. kids on the range day and uh, i have got valerie cabot in studio with me hi valerie how are you hi dick how are you i'm doing fine today great and uh you guys recall we had uh, carol uh Grube in our uh in to talk about women on target and so but but val she heads up the the cord the kids on the range day which now that women on targets behind us we can put our focus on kids on the range day right right? so you're in the hot seat i am i am so uh why don't you tell us a little bit about kids on the range day and by the way I'm going to, when you're listening, folks, I want you to listen carefully because she's going to talk about we still have openings and the timing and all this kind of stuff. So if you have kids or grandkids or great grandkids out there that you are wanting to um, initiate into the, the shooting world, I mean, it's a great, great uh, opportunity for, and by the way, it's not bad to have other people instructing them because sometimes I learn from my grandpa. Okay. And I got to say thank you, my papa. Okay. So I got to say thank you, papa, who's in heaven to, for all the, the help he gave me and got me started. Okay. But he was not an instructor and he was not, um, uh, not everything he taught me was perfect. Okay. I'm an instructor now and I learned that. So it's not a bad idea, even if you shoot with your kids and stuff, to be able to bring them to some place where we've got, uh, coaches and safety officers and things like that to be able to help. So, Valerie, why don't you to tell us about CORD? Okay. Um, it's a full-day event, half day for each session. We have kids from um, 8 to 11 and 12 to 18, teams of five, and each kid gets to go to three ranges. The younger ones go to pistol, rifle, and archery, and the older ones go to pin shoot, large caliber, and turkey shoot. And I do still have openings, um, about 25 of them, in fact, which sounds like a lot, but it, I only have, for instance, I only have one spot in the afternoon for the older kids, so it starts to get a little tricky now, juggling people around what time they want and so on. Um, I should also mention that the coaching is one-on-one, so the kids have 
absolutely um, perfect instruction from the, our guys. And um, also, I should mention that we have some support from Cottage Inn, who gives us a 50% discount on the pizzas we feed the kids. And they have been with us since the very beginning in 2016. And Cabela's has given us $500 in gift cards to use in any way we want. And that's also very helpful. But in addition to that, the Friends of the NRA have given us a grant for $1,100, which will buy five youth-sized rifles. Now, it won't help us this year, but it will help us in general, and it will also help our um, Hunter's Ed program. So, um, and what happens is, in the meantime, we've got, like, for the five places for that the kids will be shooting on the range, we have, like, youth-sized rifles and stuff. Yes, we do. They're, we do. They're donated or, or brought in by the uh, by the coaches. Right, the coaches are very generous. Yeah. And and so what happens is, and now there is a charge for this. Correct? Yes, it's twenty dollars. There's a twenty dollar fee for it, and also, um, and we've got actually not only the the kids that we hope to have 30, 35 right now, but we hope to have close to sixty. It's nice to have a full crowd, but also parents are welcome to stick around. They absolutely are. We really want parents to stick around and enjoy seeing their kids enjoy learning about guns. Uh, the only thing we ask is that they not want to coach their own child. Just stay back and let our guys do it. <laughs> yeah, well, they won't. Yeah, like, for example, in my in my uh, pistol house where we do it, we'll have the kids on the line, and the parents are welcome to be back behind. Uh, but there's actually uh, some benches and stuff between them, so you're you won't be actively involved. You'll just be there observing and and, and watching your kids enjoy, uh, just like I did when I was five years old. Although this starts at eight, eight to eleven, and twelve to eighteen, but just like uh, I did as a youth when when. Uh, uh, my papa would teach me to shoot, and then uh, and then he would watch and observe and take me hunting and stuff like that. So um, I so we we we're actually expecting quite a few people there because you know you get sixty kids, you're going to have uh, many many parents. Now your parents don't have to stay, right? They don't have to, but we really encourage it. Um, I think they enjoy it. We enjoy having them. They seem to have a good time and. Um, they get to have pizza too. So, <laughs> oh, there's the there's the <laughs> enticement there. Also, um, and and you should know, just so so you understand this, um, we have a thing that, uh, and because we're dealing with with minor children, uh, all the coaches and volunteers and stuff will have. Um, uh, gone through the iChat the, program, right, right? The background check through the Michigan State Police. Yes. So, so uh, not only are our guys, you know, range officers and instructors and things like that, but they also have gone through background checks to be able to uh, uh, ensure that, uh, as I would expect, uh, uh, that that we're not going to be. Uh, th by the way, we will not have any drag queens there, right? No, we will not. <laughs> There's. Uh, this is not drag queen shooting hour, okay? This is, uh, I didn't mean to be controversial <laughs> here, okay. but I talk politics sometimes, <laughs> so I can't help it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but no, these are, uh, and we're actually using, most of us are using the same targets and setup that we use for women on target. Right, right. It's basically the same, <clears throat> excuse me, basically the same kind of thing. Uh, you had 10 women on each team for women on target. Now right. you've only got five kids. Yeah, and uh, so we, we 
contracted a little bit. Right. Uh, and what we'll have is, like in my range, we use the exact same targets that we use for the for the kids. Right. And I think the rifle does too. They yes, were, I think so. Uh, see, we let me tell you what we do. We start out with like an eight inch shoot and see, which is, you know, when the kids start, and this is the women too, when they start at, at uh, 18 feet with that, they go, you want me to hit that on this eight inch target? And then we, t we move them down to a three inch target and then we move them to a, a little thing called a flobber dobber. It's a little reactive target made by, uh, they call it Throom now, but it used to be New Bold targets, N-E-W-B-O-L-D. They're like a self-sealing little disc that has like a, a foot-long tail on it that, that's on the, up on the top it's uh, anchored. And when through, do you, do you remember seeing them, Val? I do not, no. Okay, uh, on my big uh, 30 by 20 inch uh foam core board in the center is a uh, about a three and a half inch hole and there's a two inch little green disc oh, that, okay. that, that's behind and it's anchored at the top with a tail and when you hit it it flies back and forth so these kids are starting out at eight inches then they're hitting the three then the two then we take them we do in the middle of the the uh time that we have allotted with them we stop and change the targets and we put up a paper plate with paintballs glued to right. them and and those are actually those are 0.68 of an inch so they're 68 caliber sized uh paintballs so think of this you're taking from trying to hit an eight inch target down to getting one that's only uh you know five sixteenths or i mean not five sixteenths five five eighths of a of a uh inch and they'll do it and uh and they do it very well so they do and it's it's very satisfying for them yeah and what's fun too is the the rifle range has targets and they have uh I, I never even thought about this. They had, on their, like, paper plates, they had um, butterscotches glued oh, on. Okay. You know, like the butterscotch hard candy? Right, wrapped up. That and kind. wrapped up. And, I, and when they hit it, they kind of explode in the wrappers. It's really neat. What a great idea they had. Yes, so, so, um, so anyway, then, uh, so each, the kids will get about a total of about an uh, hour and a half of hour shooting. Hour and a half, yeah. Yeah, I, during the three-hour range, because what we do is they have to move from one venue right. to another. So they we what we do is we have them in groups with uh, the parents will be with them. The parents will, and each group will have a guide. And the and the guide will walk them from venue to venue, and so they, they take time in between. Right. And then we give them a little briefing on the range, of what are and they get a, a, a safety briefing right. up they get a safety briefing first thing before they even go out on the range and then each range gives them a little safety briefing as well that's right and and that is what we are most concerned about is safety now sure we want them to have a good time and we want them to be successful and and hit the paintballs or the butterscotches or whatever the case may be but um, but we want them to be safe and this is for some of them it's their first opportunity now some of these kids are old hands that are they've been right but most of them don't have any experience some of them have just a very little but yeah. there are very few who yeah. have experience and especially things like um uh, it, and i always on our range we talk about how it's more difficult to be swinging a rifle 
sideways, okay? Uh, you know, keeping the muzzle down the range is, is so important. But a pistol, it's very easy for somebody to accidentally point somewhere. So our instructors are always watching what the kids are doing. And actually, I've noticed that younger people, actually younger people and women, are, are the best students and they listen and stuff like that. You know, I, I want to say the kids especially when they're just learning something, they are really intense on it. And the women, they listen, and they, and the guys, they think they know everything, okay? So. <laughs> right. It's a compliment if somebody tells me I shoot like a girl. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And, um, you know, my wife, gosh, what was I doing something the other day? And she goes, you realize you're mansplaining something to me because we, we think, A, we don't read instruction manuals. We don't follow maps. And, well, I know where I'm going. So, um but it's always fun to teach the women and to teach the kids because they are such good students. And we start out with uh, keeping the muzzle downrange. That's muzzle control, muzzle control, muzzle control is the most important thing. And then also keeping your finger out of the trigger until you're ready to shoot. So Right. And not only do we have one-on-one -on -one coaching, we also have an additional person that's just keeping an eye on the whole range. Well, yeah, that's and uh, that's what we did with the ladies, mm -hmm. too. We had 10 coaches, a coach for every woman, and we had, uh, and I kept an eye on the range. And uh, same thing we'll do for the kids. So that's, uh, and, and so they start out, if we'll, we'll just walk through the venues. They start out, like, for example, at archery, which is actually right. an awful lot of fun for kids. Right, they love uh, it. They, they really like it, and ladies do too. And uh, actually, the, uh, one of my, my friend's son, uh, Milan, he actually um, bow hunts, and he, um, but, and he shoots, he, he deer hunts too. He's never shot a pistol, so that's what he's all excited and about. And he's very excited about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And I, I actually walked him through um, this year, when he did his hunter safety class, he did it online and and all that kind of stuff, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun for for me to f follow his progress like that. But so they start out with archery, okay? So that that is a good experience, and then uh, or the the other group will start out, let's say, with uh, turkey shoot there, right? Which is not a turkey shoot, okay? People, there was I remember one of the first women on targets we had where this woman had signed up. She goes. Oh, I have to, I actually, I have to drop out. I can't shoot a turkey. And it's like, we're not shooting real turkeys, okay? What are we doing? We're just shooting shotguns at at targets downrange. Yep. And so, uh, uh, but they call it a turkey shoot, okay? And uh, I think they have these visions. Do you, do you remember, um, what was it? Gary Cooper played uh, Sergeant York in a movie. And as a, as a young uh you know, before he went into the military, he was doing a turkey shoot. And they actually, on the movie, they, they never showed it hitting the turkey, but they had Gary turkey, uh, Gary would do a, you know, like that. And the turkey head would pop up and they did. <laughs> no, it's not like that. We <laughs> no, don't do a real turkey no. shoot. And, and it always reminds me of Les Nussman and Thanksgiving oh. and the turkeys raining down. <laughs> Oh, as God as as God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. So that that is like the the that's the most famous radio bit on a TV show for you. That and uh, the end of the Bob Newhart show where he woke up and it was a dream. That those are some of my favorite things from uh, from TV. So then they do um, they do the twenty two rifles, right? And in my group, they'll do the twenty two pistols, right? 
We do a high caliber, uh, which means they get to shoot. Right. Oh, this is the one they really like because they make big booms. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> they get to shoot 9 millimeters and 40s and 45s, maybe some revolvers. Yep. Uh, we do, you know, we, we have in that group, you have different guns. You have things like 38 revolvers and 357s. And, and I don't know, did we use the 460 for the kids? Uh, I'm not sure. Probably though, probably if they're if their <laughs> size will take the size of the gun, probably yeah. Yeah, there's um, uh, actually uh, is that uh, uh, Rick Parsons normally does the uh, 460 on the women on target. Right? Okay, Rick is not going to be with us. Rick won't be right. with us, but Mike Cowie has some big guns too, like right, the 480 Ruger yes. and stuff like that. So, uh, so because I know in my range, I'm hearing us. You know, we're doing the 22s, and it's going pew pew pew, and, and then we hear kaboom from down at the end of the range, and that's the big the big revolver. So, let's see. We've only got a few minutes left. Run through the details again. How can people reach you, Val? People can. Go online to tcsl.org and then go to events and special events, and all the forms for registration are on there. You can't register online, but you can get all the forms, and then you can send them in with your $20. Um, you can contact me at kord at tcsl.org, or you can even call me, 734-355-0708. Give that number again. So. 734 355-0708. Okay, that's good. So, and and actually, it's interesting when we do things like pin shoots, and that's the other, the last thing we right. do, the pin shoots. The kids get to shoot, and this is the same as the adults do: five pins off of a shelf, and you, and it's just a lot of fun. Uh, I, they, I would imagine, they have. Uh, uh, a smattering of different guns. People can use 22s or 9s right. or something like that to be able to shoot. But um, uh, what the people, when they um, sign up for this stuff, they they can have a whole, I mean, it, it's a, a range of activities that day. It's just not going to shoot a gun, okay? Right. And and there, so it's it, and it's a feeling. There's there's kids that help set up. Actually, the pin shoot guys said they're having kids to help set up right, the pins correct. to reset the pins in between the shooters. And then at the end of the day, they're going to stay and and let those right. kids shoot. So I mean, it's just such a neat event. It is. It is. And the volunteers are wonderful. I've worked with a lot of volunteer groups, and this is the best one. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, the the volunteers are our club members for the most part. There may be a, a spouse or something that's not a club member, but uh, the volunteers are club members. Uh, I know we had like 125 volunteers or something for women on target. Right, we have a few uh, less than that for uh, kids on the range day because we have less. Less people, but, but we still have a big we number. We have a big number, like 60, I think. S 60 volunteers to help. And, and, of course, with the number of shooters, every shooter will be with a coach, and they will be totally safe during that time. Absolutely. And, we'll, and we concentrate on things like keeping fingers out of the trigger guard until, right. you, until you're ready to shoot, uh, keeping the muzzle downrange, uh, never pointing at anything you don't intend to shoot and destroy, and um, also... Well, this is an interesting thing is you always teach people you're responsible for the target, but also what's behind it. So so when you're shooting 
uh, you want to go through the target, but you want it to go into the berm down the, down at the end of the the end of the range, the backstop, and uh, so that's that's like the big four of the um, of the safety. Right, right. And so we're always big into that. The kids will have um, you giving them eye protection and eye hair- protection and ear protection. We provide all of that. Um, do not bring your own firearms, but we but you can bring ear and eye protection if you want to do that. But yeah. we will supply it. Yeah, if they have a, a set of um, uh, eye protection that's specially for them, they that's the, their size. Same thing with hearing protection because we have we have headphones, but also. Uh, sometimes kids have small heads or big heads or whatever. So if you've got one for your kid, you can bring it. And parents remember, parents or grandparents remember that uh, we encourage the parent to stay. Absolutely. And we furnish uh, ears and eyes for the parents too. Yeah. And there'll be uh, water. There will be water throughout the ranges. Yeah. So that we can keep the kids hydrated. Never know how, I mean, it could be 95 or it could be 60. So so we we don't know how it'll be. But uh, the ranges, I know that... uh, uh, the rifles and pistol ranges are are under roof. They're open, right? But they're under roof, and uh, some of the others they have tents set up. Yeah. So there'll be shade and stuff. So right. be a lot of fun, folks. It will. It will. So uh, that's kids on the range day. TCSL.org, and uh, go and sign up. And right. your number again? My number is seven three four three five five zero seven zero eight. Okay, well, this is Dick Kupke and Valerie Cabot at uh, Wham Talk 1600 at Trigger Talk, and we will be back in just a few minutes. Thank you, Dick. Wham Talk 1600. Welcome back to Trigger Talk Radio with your host, Dick Kupke. Call now, 734-822-1600 to join in the conversation. And we're back. And uh, gosh, that was a lot of fun. Um, these are some things. It's interesting. I, I don't want you to think I'm I'm just you know pushing kids on a range day at you know some reason be like because it's my club and I'm involved with it. This is a great opportunity for for somebody to if you, if you're out there, you don't have to be a club member. And if you're out there and you were thinking about wanting your maybe you shot as a child and and you were um, uh, you know, you'd love to take your kid out or your grandkid out or your great grandkid out, and, but you don't have a place to go anymore. Maybe you live in an apartment now. Maybe you live in a suburb and you don't have a place anymore. This is a neat opportunity for for you to uh, take some youngster in your life out to be able to uh, to shoot. So why don't we try to fill up that uh, those other slots? Now it sounds like there's only one one of the older group. Um, the tw- thirteen, no, twelve to uh, eighteen age left in the afternoon, uh, but that that means that the morning group from nine to twelve, there's there's uh, plenty of openings there. And I'm thinking, why is that? And then I go, oh yeah, well they're teenagers; they don't get up early. <laughs> so um, uh, and God, the the young kids, they get up. We had my uh, last was it last weekend? We had my. Uh, grandkids staying there and they're like up at the crack of dawn and i mean the crack of dawn which i just reset all my timers at home and 558 is uh is sunrise now because we're approaching the june 21st is the summer solstice which is the longest day of the year so um gosh it's from uh 558 in the morning right now to 913 in the afternoon what a lot of daylight we've got right now uh let's see so 
Oh, and by the way, I want to mention what a delight. Um, for the Women on Target event, we I told you that we used the Ruger SR-22Ps, which is a nice little training pistol, but ours were worn out. I mean, after probably 20,000, 30,000 rounds shot through them, the rifling was like gone, and they were letting up and smearing and key, smearing lead and keyholing and stuff like that. And uh, Ruger sent me 13 barrels to replace them all for free. And uh, they worked outstanding. We did not have a single barrel-related issue. We had <clears throat> about the only issue that we had at all, and this is interesting. Uh, we actually also were picky for our ammo this time. We we used uh, CCI mini mags for the most part, and also some Blazer, and some I I pieced in some Federal um, uh, high velocity bulk pack stuff, which is quality ammo and the um uh we had a couple where uh we had light primer strikes on a couple um and i'm not sure exactly if that was like a thick brass thing but we did have one case failure and it was in one of the sets of uh bricks of ammo that they gave me to use was uh some donated ammo called arm score a r m S-C-O-R, and it was made in the Philippines. Now, many things come from the Philippines, and they can be very good, but we actually had, very interesting, the um, the firearm, uh, the, the woman shot it, and it seemed like there was smoke coming out the back of it, and she, um, she looked at her hands, and her hands were all black from gunpowder residue not she didn't get burned or anything but just black and uh, and then she went to fire another round and it, and it didn't chamber and and it was a problem we thought what the heck is going on here so i quickly swapped in the another gun to them and i put it aside and then at lunchtime i i cleaned all the guns and uh because i always i you know uh take them apart, spray them off to clean the, the gunpowder residue and stuff like that. Because by then, we've had, uh, let's see, like four groups of 100, 400, 500 rounds through them. And uh, so I just like to keep them lubed up. I run a boar snake through them and stuff like that. And when I went to put the boar snake in, it wouldn't go. I thought, what the heck? So I checked, and the the rim had blown off of the 22 rimfire. So it had a, a head, um, you know, the rimmed part, the head, uh, had se separated from the rest of the case. And it was still in the chamber. And I had to dig it out of the chamber. And I thought, that is really odd. So I'm that, I believe, was a flaw in the ammunition. So I just put that whole brick away. And uh, we can use it for a bolt-action rifle or something like that in the future. But I, I put put the uh, all of I had uh, two bricks, thousand rounds of this arm score, and I put it away because I did not want to have to deal with that again. Uh, and I don't know if you know it could have been something. It, anything mechanical can have a flaw. You could have had a, a flaw in the brass. You could have had a, a flaw in the way the, the the case was formed, something like that. But um, but it's very interesting. That's the only real issue that we had that day. And I don't attribute that to the gun. I attribute it to the ammunition. Uh, let's see. In my next hour, 
I want to say this is something that's been uh, brewing for a month or so. I um, I was contacted by an author who, um, and he's an interesting gentleman. His name is Dr. Anthony Cooling, and he's uh, he's actually uh, a government employee now in um, Decatur, Illinois. But uh, he's he's a vet, and and he's a uh, a very knowledgeable, uh, scholarly person, and he's written a book called "Still a Shallow Hope," and um, it. So what it's about was something I found very interesting, and that is that all of this litigation that's taking place these days, and all of the politics involved with with uh, firearms in in the courts, with uh, you know. Uh, like Pritzker's um, uh, protect the uh, the pica p i c a. Well, I'll have to look that up again. But um, so the thing is, is that um, it, it it's that uh, protect something. I got to look it up. Uh, anyway, it's in the, the Illinois the anti gun laws on assault weapons bans and magazines and blah 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 blah. And they get in the courts and and Pritzker signed that into law. And it went into law, even though it's against the the Bruin and uh, Supreme Court uh, case. And so what happens is then somebody sues them, and then the, they get a judge that does an injunction, and then another judge overrides the injunction and stuff like that. It's just a bunch of crap, and it's like a death by a thousand cuts. And he has a book about this strategy that this that the anti-gunners seem to be using and also how it, it sometimes it, it's helpful to the pro-gun side so at any rate he's going to be my guest in the second hour his name's dr anthony cooling and uh, he's going to talk about his book and his theories and and what he sees going on in the anti-gun um field out there with uh, litigation and stuff like that. So that'll be interesting. So you don't want to miss that in the second hour. And if you have questions about that, uh, he, he will take questions. So uh, I want to say, uh, and he's a, a younger man, uh, has a family and lives in Illinois. And, and uh, like I said, he was a, a vet. And uh, so I, I think that, and he has an interest. He also, you know, as a young man went you know, hunting and things like that. He doesn't have a, uh, a place to do that right now. But, uh, but I mean, he's one of us, and it's his take on it, and it's a very scholarly book. So, um, uh, And also he gives speeches and talks at churches and libraries and things like that. So at any rate, uh, that's in the, the next hour. And then, so I've got a few things that are, uh, and by the way, if you do have a range report or something like that, you um, you know, you want to call in, uh, you can do that next hour. I, I would imagine it'll be the, uh, probably, you know, the first segment, the first, we'll probably talk for 20, 30 minutes, something like that, and then it'll just be regular stuff. But if you have a range report uh, right now, you can call in, okay? And by the way, if you were wondering again, and you need to call Valerie Cabot, um, her number is 734-355-0708, and that's to call if you have any questions about Kids on the Range Day, okay? So this story um, 
is interesting why anti-gunners aren't backing Newsom's amendment. You guys all heard this this week where um, uh, Gavin Newsom from California is, is pushing for a, uh, a new amendment, the 28th Amendment, to, uh, to codify uh, a bunch of things into, the, um, into an, an actual amendment in the Constitution so that when they're out there, the anti-gunners are out there, and they're talking about, um, uh, you know, well, you can't do that because it's uh, not constitutional. Then he can go, yes, it is. Read the 28th Amendment. You guys are all big about the Second Amendment. Read the 28th Amendment. And he's got things that he wants to do, and it's many of the same things. So actually, I, I got a story from a guy named Tom Knighton that I really liked. Um, and let's see. Governor Gavin Newsom has rattled the cage a bit with his gun control constitutional amendment proposal. The measure seeks to codify a few of the more publicly popular gun control measures as part of the Constitution, thus making them constitutional by definition. Okay, Many have noted that, that getting such a measure through will be tough at best because it takes a, a two-thirds majority of the states to do a, con, uh, a uh, constitutional amendment. And uh, it, it, it's not really popular right now with uh, with. Not, of course, Republicans, but also even Democrats, because uh, if they're up for re-election and stuff, they don't want to rock the boat. Let's see. We have got uh, Doug from Westland on SKS Accessories. Oh, cool. Doug, what's up? Morning, Dick. How are you? Fine. I, uh, I acquired an SKS here about a year ago or so, and uh, I, fortunately, I have a nephew who's an Afghan vet and a and a police officer, and we tore that son of a gun down right to the pieces, cleaned all the cosmoline out and whatnot. And I've been trying to acquire accessories for it, looking for original issue-type stuff, but I've, I haven't been able to find a, uh, a front sight adjustment tool. And But there's a ton out there, and I'm just wondering if you have any knowledge or opinion on and uh, what would be a good brand, or are they all pretty much the same? I think they're all pretty much the same, and okay. you might be able to find an original one. Um, I'm just trying to think what are some of the places that um, that carry, oh uh, gosh, I, I'm, I'm seeing their advertisements in my mind. Uh, but, uh, you know, places, oh, what's the name of that company that's so big into all the surplus things? Um uh, uh, you know what? I will. I will look it up and I'll mention it next week. Okay. Okay, I appreciate that. SKS front sight tool. I like um, SKSs. I I've got a um, Yugoslavian one that's got the grenade launcher on the front and stuff. You oh, know, well. and I got it unfired. In, you know, in the box with mm. Cosmoline on it. Yep. And I, uh, but I've had mine for gosh almost twenty years, and it was. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you paid more. I paid 140 bucks out the door for it. Yeah, they're quite a lot more expensive now. <laughs> now, I one thing I found very interesting. Do not forget, uh, in between the piston and the, uh, the the piston and the rod, there is a short rod that is in like the um, front or the rear sight housing that. 
that comes out needs to be cleaned too. Some people forget that one and they get hung up and then they're, they're wondering, gosh, why is this, you know, either slam firing or, or hanging up? So did you get all that pieces out too? Yes, we did. We had that thing right down to the bare bones. Oh, like cool. Say, my, my nephew's uh, is, a, is a real gun enthusiast where I, I am not quite the, the expert. So, uh, I really appreciated his help. Yeah, and gosh, they are such a nice shooting gun. They have. Uh, have you shot it? I have not shot it yet. You're gonna uh, love it. It. I'm, it. I'm dying to find somewhere to go out and and, and sight, but I want really wanted to get that that front sight. You know, get it sighted in and and all that. Did you take the front sight apart? So that's why you. you I did not. Okay, did not. because for the most part, they come. Um, was it an unfired one or was it a used one? It, it, no, it was right in the box, all the Cosmoline and everything else. Yep, and it looked like brand new. Mm-hmm. What what uh, is, what is it? Is it a Chinese one? Is yes. it yes an Orenco? Yes. Nice, nice, and yeah. um, so that is really cool. And I want to say uh, they actually work very well with the stripper clips. Have, do you have some some ammo on stripper clips still? Yeah. I do. I was able to get some of those and a little pouch and uh, and a few other things I've been yeah. sort of collecting along. Oh with, yeah, so. there's there are uh, companies out there that have all that stuff that you can buy as surplus, the little ammo pouches that go on your belt and all that right. kind of stuff. Right. Um, and actually, I I used to have. There's some tools that came with them. They they and that actually, but I don't know if that had a front sight tool on it. I'll have to look and see. I may have some of those. Um, they are uh, they they are very soft in in shoot in uh, recoil. Okay, they and like an AK, um, they don't have a whole lot of power. It's a mid power range uh, mid range power ammo anyway. The seven six two by thirty nine, and um, and then you. It's just got a nice recoil system, and it is um, it is soft shooting. One of the things that um, I, you might consider, and I was thinking about getting a lot of guys do. Are you not going to put a scope on it? Are you? No. Okay. Uh, some people get scope mounts that are on the the rear cover of the, you know, and and actually because that's just kind of locked down by a lever on the right hand side, it's not a good scope mount. You know what I mean? But there are some sites. There's a company called Tech Sites, uh, T-E-C-H hyphen S-I-G-H-T-S dot com, I think. But Tech Sites that makes a, a rear peep site for it that mounts on that cover. Is it is your cover machined or is it stamped? Machined, okay, that's good because yeah. those those lock down more solid, and um, the peep sight you add about oh nine inches of um, of uh, sight radius to it, so it's even more accurate. You know, people make fun of semi automatics and AKs and SKSs. They're actually they can be tack drivers. So you're going to enjoy that gun. Did you redo uh, the wood on it, or did it was it fine? I'm saying. Did you have to do something with the wood, or was it just no. clean the Cosmoline no. off? No, it just, it just took the Cosmoline. It's in really, really, really nice shape. Well, cool. I can't no. wait. I will look up SKS front sight tools and I'll, also the websites that, that I've seen, okay. and I'll okay. talk about that next week. I've got it on my homework uh, slip here. Now, uh, w- real quick, 
with uh, a few, oh, a month or so back. I, I just caught the tail end of a conversation about the ammo. Okay. Um, and I, I thought somebody had some concerns with the wolf and the uh, Tula. Okay. There, I want to say, actually, people have more concerns using wolf and Tula and stuff like that in ARs and, and American-made guns that may have slightly tighter chambers, Okay. okay. But the thing is, is that um, there is no problem. Actually, yours, your gun was made to use that kind of ammo, okay? Don't think you have to use brass case 762 by 39 You can use the steel case stuff. I personally like the, the uh, steel case that is gray, okay? It's almost, it's got a gray kind of a polymer finish. Yes. Yes. And it's and it's uh, but it's not like the green ones that have lacquer finish. Okay, yeah. Th that's I've, what that I have discussion. Is. I've been acquiring, you know, as we go along. Yeah, so. the Wolf, the Tula, the the Red Army brand. There's all sorts of different um, imported ammo for that. That is, um, there, it comes in two kinds mainly. Uh, it comes and and I want to say they make also they make full jacket full metal jacket, but they also make hollow points and things, but you, you're not going to go hunting with the rifle. So the, uh, the thing is, is that, um, uh, the, the polymer coating, the gray coating is a cleaner coating and will not transfer to a heated up chamber. So if you're out shooting a lot and the gun's getting hot and, and you're using the gray ammo, you'll be continue to be fine. But I know people that have used the green ammo with the lacquer finish and it's shiny green have you seen that kind too i have not okay and a lot of times it'll have a red band around the projectile um where the projectile and the head of the case is, or the neck of the case is that acts as a sealant it, it's decent ammo and it fires but if you shoot a lot of it and you shoot it in uh, at, at the same time you know a lot when the gun's getting really hot uh, it can transfer to the cylinder, and I remember or to the chamber. And I remember watching a guy who was shooting at the range all day long with a M, uh, a Mini 14, a Ruger range rifle, and he was shooting brass cased, and he was shooting gray ammo, and then he went to shoot some of the green lacquered ammo, and he didn't even get a magazine through it when it uh, it started locking up the rounds in the in the chamber. Okay. 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 Well. I do appreciate your help, uh, Dick, and I'll be looking forward to next week. To yeah, and you can call in once you shoot it. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to get a range report from you. Okay. Well, I will do that. Great, thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. So anyway, um, there was an op. I was talking about Gavin Newsom. That's what I like. I thank goodness. A call about guns and ammo. What a what a novelty! Okay, now I got to talk about Gavin Newsom again, Mister uh, Hair Gel. Okay, um, and it says that uh, they had an op-ed that was written by a gun control fan that his kind of gives a glimpse as to why people are not supporting. It says. Governor Gavin Newsom has a good target, but the aim is off in his effort to amend the U.S. Constitution with a gun control mandate. California's liberal governor has absolutely no chance of getting a gun control amendment adopted. It's beyond the realm of political possibility, at least for the foreseeable future. 
but that's okay. At the current rate, and this is the other person, that, I mean, this is obviously a gun grabber, that's okay. At the current rate of gun carnage across America and with firearms lobby stubbornly refusal to compromise or reasonably regulate, uh, it's only a matter of time before uh, time in this century before the Second Amendment tinkering occurs. If you don't start, it will never happen, he says. Newsom is, Newsom's aim is offline because he's trying to, to cement specific regulations into the Constitution. And there we have it. That's what they don't like about it. Because if he goes in and and says we, we're going to have a uh, 28th Amendment that has universal background checks and has, um, you know, gun, you know, um, red flag laws and uh, just some th- and actually trying to raise the age from 18 to 21 or something like that, and he actually got it passed, okay, then that would lock in to where people would say, well, you've got a gun control Second Amendment. It's only these three things, okay? It's nothing else. Okay, this is the first time in 200 years we've got a, a, a new amendment on gun control. There you have it, okay? But that's not really what they want. That's not, they oppose these measures because they're actually pushing for med, much more, okay? They don't like guns, and they won't be happy until they've taken them all away from us, okay? That's why they don't want a 28th Amendment. So we'll talk about that and some other things in the second hour. Don't forget to tune in because uh, uh, Dr. Anthony Cooling is going to call in at uh, the top of the hour, and we're going to talk about his book, Still a Shallow Hope, about uh, gun legislation and gun litigation. Be very interesting discussion. This is Dick Kupke at Trigger Talk Radio here at Wham Talk 1600. I'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome to Trigger Talk Radio with your host, Dick Kupke. From handguns to rifles and hunting to self-defense, even a bit of politics, it's time to exercise your First and Second Amendment rights. Call and join the conversation, 734-822-1600. And now, your host, Dick Kupke. Well, good afternoon and welcome back to Trigger Talk. This is the second hour of the show today. And, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm just sitting here racking my brains. I actually got a, uh, a text from uh, Ed, uh, Ed from Epsilanti, trying to think of the uh, name of the company. And it's a company, this, this is uh, that the, the last caller, we were talking about SKSs. And, uh, and it's a company that carries all the surplus stuff for, I mean, virtually every gun. And they're, they're, they're in... Um, Firearms news, they uh, they always have, oh gosh, they've got a lot of old German stuff. They have breakdown kits. They have camouflage things and canteens and, and mags and mag pouches and plate carriers, all that kind of stuff. Well, I can't remember the name of it. Gosh, I guess I am really getting old, okay? Uh, so let's see. We've got, um, uh, let me go back to the to my page here. And I've actually got uh, um, up. I'm waiting for a call from uh, from a guest I hope to have to talk about uh, the Supreme Court and 
decisions and litigation and all sorts of stuff like that. So um, we'll get uh, we'll get back to that in a little bit when he calls. But um, I was talking about some interesting things about um, Gavin Newsom and why why this idea for a Twenty Eighth Amendment to the to the Constitution won't fly, and it's because a it can't. There's no way they'd get enough. Uh, enough support to I mean I want to say over over half the states have constitutional carry now okay that means ca- that people can carry a firearm concealed without having um, without having a, a permit so how are you going to get a two-thirds majority of people to do a 28th amendment to have uh, you know, a two-thirds majority of the states for people to have a uh, uh, majority to uh, um, to come up with a new gun amendment that adds on to and clarifies supposedly or restricts further uh, the Second Amendment. You can't do that, okay? So uh, not to mention, remember how... Um, if they did, that's one of the things they always talk about when people are talking about gun control. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Background check, universal background checks. That would be great. That'll fix the problem. Oh, yeah, and so will the red flag laws. And if we have storage requirements, you know, we everybody has to have their guns uh, uh, disassembled into uh, multiple pieces. And uh, the, the ammunition has to be in the attic and the uh, gun the trigger has to be in the basement and all the rest of the pieces out in the barn, okay, stuff like that. Well, that even if they get those kind of things, then they come out and they go, oh, that'll be a good first step. No, if you actually call something a 28th Amendment and it is now a constitutional amendment, that's not the first step. That is the, oh, the last step. Okay, because you'd never get another one if you were trying. And and that's the thing. It's like uh, when people talk about um, mass shootings and crap like that. They're talking, you know, when they they come up with the the theory that uh, more children and youth are uh, killed now by guns than by anything else. Well, you know what? In order to get beyond the children standpoint and and call them youth and to get the numbers up enough to make it be significant they had to add uh, 19 and 20 year olds 18 19 and 20 year olds that are technically adults they're not youth anymore oh they might still but they're still teenagers well but they're adults okay and by the way of those ones that are the adults like that, that really, really gets into the drug cartels and the gangland killings and things like that. Okay, so that's there, there's not a whole lot of uh, of real impetus to be pushing for a 28th Amendment. Now, here's another thing. <laughs> this actually is funny. I thought it was a joke. I was looking to see is this Babylon B or or something, uh, and the, the fact is, is that apparently now um, Kamala Harris has been uh, p- appointed by uh, Joe Biden to lead the ch- the gun control charge. Okay, which means you know she'll lead that about as well as she led the uh, 
the border crisis and the everything else that she does. What what else did she do? Did she do COVID and and uh, climate change too? I don't know, but she's batting zero right now. So anyway, she made a statement. Okay, she she actually tweeted out there about. Um, uh, I want to say, let me find if I can get the exact one. Uh, let's see. Good. Uh, let's see. One uh, government arm pretty much. Well, no. Uh, what she did, though, is she tweeted out there about um, gun control. And she tweeted about having, um, uh, you know, assault weapons bans. We need an assault weapons ban, Okay. So actually, the, the argument against it that was brought out, let's see, she recently tweeted in support of an assault weapons ban, okay? There are few in Congress that defend the Second Amendment more staunchly than Kentucky's Rep. Thomas Massey. There may be some who match it, but few can beat him. But Vice President Kamala Harris is on the opposite end of the spectrum. Recently, she tweeted in support of an assault weapons ban. That's not shocking at all. It's what high-ranking Democrats do in this day and age. But for Massey, he used it as the opportunity to drop a truth bomb on Kamala Harris. And it's interesting. He goes, uh, let's see, boom. I mean, literally everything he's saying is true. Moreover, it brings some pretty serious points to the debate about things like AR-15s. This is interesting. So here's Kamala Harris saying, we need to, we need to uh, ban assault weapons. You know? So one talking point used by gun control proponents is that these guns have no value outside of the battlefield. They're only good for killing a lot of people very quickly, and they have no place on our streets, Harris argued, argued in her tweet. Well, then you got to ask, and this was a question he asked her, then why do agencies like the IRS, the Department of Education, and the EPA need weapons that are only good for killing a lot of people very quickly? Oh, wait a minute. So, so they're out there saying, we got to ban these AR-15s because they have no place outside of the battlefield. They're not used for sport. They're not used for hunting. They're not used for self-defense. They're, they're only good for killing a lot of people very quickly. And they have no place on our streets, said Kamala Harris. Well, then why, why does the IRS need them? Or the Department of Education? Or the EPA. Why do they need weapons that are only good for killing a lot of people very quickly? If that's the case, what are they planning on doing? I, I got a kick. Uh, there's a meme out there that says something like, uh, the only reason that uh, people are talking about confiscating all our guns is because they, they are planning on doing something that they know we would shoot them for. I mean, like, like uh, oh, Pol Pot and Cambo in Cambodia and, I mean, like Hitler and, and Germany and all the other countries where the, the first thing that they've done is done uh, gun confiscation. 
And, and every day you hear things from other countries where you go, yeah, that's the reason. That's the reason. Oh, but this is, this is 2023. That can't happen. Yes, it can. And by the way, you know, uh, look at Russia in the Ukraine. And everybody is, oh, yes, please send them money, send them guns, send them ammunition. Actually, I was just reading a thing about them. Do you know, that, let me see if I got this down there. There is, uh, um, they, the, what they called was the Ukraine 40th drawdown from U.S. fighting stocks, okay? This is the 40th time that we have sent them ammunition, okay? And guess what? The, the Pentagon sent a record, set a record on Tuesday when it announced the latest security assistance package for Ukraine, provided that the Biden administration is now topping a, a running total of over $40.7 billion to the Ukraine. And do you know what they've done in this 40th? Now, this is the 40th drawdown on, on U.S. fighting stock, okay, inventory. And in this 40th one, they just sent over another 22 million rounds of ammunition. Holy cow. Well, maybe we might need those someday, especially the way things are going with China and, and uh, North Korea is making noise and all this kind of stuff. Well, we can't. So, so I guess maybe we can't be the world's, um, the world's policeman anymore, but we can be their, uh, their gun store. We are the world's ammunition store. So in this 40th drawdown from our own inventory, we just sent the Ukraine another 22 million rounds of ammunition. Now, a lot of that is 5.56, but that affects us, even as consumers, because if you can't buy the ammo that, that you've been buying because they're not, they've got to refill the U.S. inventories because they've sent so many millions and millions and hundreds of millions of rounds to the Ukraine, then it affects us in cost, in availability. Same thing for uh, and the other small arms rounds that they send include things like um, 7.62 by 51, which is 7.62 NATO or 308. Yes, and by the way, the, all of the companies that make the ammo for the military are some of the uh, many of the same companies that make it for us. So if they're refilling the, and replenishing the American military ammo uh, reserves and inventory, then you might not be able to get your ammo. Okay. So then let's see. Uh, we go back here towards uh, and talk about. All of this ammo that, uh, by the way, that's the same ammo, also 9 millimeter. by the way, uh, they sent over to, to Ukraine. But um, uh, I want to say the, uh, the same ammo that, and, and in the calibers and in the guns, that they're actually sending over for fully automatic, you know, um, uh, M4 carbines and saws and um, M14 derivatives and 
uh, M60 derivatives and things like that for the uh, 762 uh, by 51, the 762 NATO. All of that is uh, being sent over there to be used in the military, but it's not available for us. And by the way, it's you already said that those those rounds are only good for killing lots of people fast. And here we are, and and we are providing the firearms and ammunition to the IRS and the Department of Education. Why would the Department of Education need AR-15s? Well, I would suppose that if a local school was going to have armed guards, then they should probably have some that are likely to have uh, an AR-15 or maybe a 762 by, by 51. Maybe they'll even go for a 300 blackout or a, uh, uh, what are some of the other ones, 277 Wolverine or something. No, they won't go for that stuff. That's like uh, hobbyist kind of stuff. But uh, I, I guess we need to ask why, why uh, it, and I suppose they, they say that the, the uh, FBI and the DEA and the ATF and the U.S. Marshals should have these firearms. Secret Service has them too. So these are all the agencies that protect the president and the government agencies and all of those House of Representatives and Senators. They get all of their bodyguards that can carry those things, but you've actually just declared that they're only for killing lots of people fast. So, so what is, what is your plan, especially with the Department of Education and the IRS? And you're, you're still, they still have that funding in there for the 80,000 new IRS people. And remember in the job description, it said, must know how to use a firearm and be willing to use it for the IRS. Okay. Gosh, I thought the IRS is getting more friendly and doing things through the online. Oh, yes, you can write through us.gov. You can file your taxes for free. Then why do we need to have all these IRS agents carrying AR-15s out there that are only designed to kill a lot of people fast per Kamala Harris? Kamala, Kamala, I don't know, Camel Toe Harris, I don't know. It is it is really interesting that they that they talk out of both sides of their mouth at the same time. Let's see. Key Republicans won't help Dems force a gun vote. Well, I should hope not. Okay. Earlier this week, House Democrats intended to push a vote on gun control, despite leadership having no interest in scheduling one. So you've got the real radical. Uh, ones that went, oh, we need gun control, we need an assault weapons ban. And the Democrat leadership are going, uh, no, no, don't push that. Don't talk about that right now. We don't want to talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about gun control after the election. Oh, okay, okay. But now they've also got the fact that they, apparently there are no Republicans willing to cross over and help support it. Well, I would hope the hell not. Oh, but they want to get elected too, so they need to seem to be caring and we've got to do something. No. So they, <laughs> they all, it's a rare House Republican who supports stricter gun controls. But of course, we see 
various people. And one of the guys that actually helped author this is a guy named uh, Brian Fitzpatrick, who's a Republican out of Pennsylvania. And he said, at some point, we need to start thinking about getting things done rather than sending messages across the floor to the House. I, I, while he likes gun control, and why, why is it all of a sudden that these guys, and these are truly rhinos, the Republicans and named only, when they, they actually are out there saying, oh, well, we've got to do something. Let's, oh, I can sign on to universal background checks. You already have those from licensed dealers. Yeah, but what if, what if uh, Dick wants to sell a gun to John? Well, Dick's known John for 60 years. Okay, I guess it's okay. While he, this is so. So here's a guy. He actually helped author the bill. A Republican. His name is Brian uh, Kirkpatrick. Is it? Let's see. Fitzpatrick. Okay, Brian Fitzpatrick, Republican of Pennsylvania. And uh, he, he, while he likes gun control, he's still part of the Republican Party. And he knows good and well that if he's helping the Democrats by being a vote supporting it, and I, every once in a while I see things where 20, 20 there was another vote this week, I forget what it was on, but 20 Republicans crossed the aisle and voted with the Democrats on something. Really stupid, okay? Oh, but we got to do something. we got, we got to reach across the aisle. Well, why don't they ever reach across the aisle? It's their way or the highway, according to them. And, and it will be until we get the majorities. Then they'll try reaching across the aisle. Okay. Well, a guy like this Kilpatrick guy, or Fitzpatrick, he knows good and well that helping with an end-around House leadership might get this bill passed. But it's going to make it less likely that he'll have the party support at various points down the road. Like uh, re-election, maybe? You want to stay that? Remember, you hear Theron say that during the week all the time where these politicians go, hey, man, this is the best gig I've ever had. I get to eat all the go, go to the uh, fancy uh, hors d'oeuvre, crustless sandwich, caviar and white wine dinners. And I get invited and I get uh, ask Joe Biden with his five and ten million dollar bribes. Look at all the things they get. He may not want gun control, but I'm sure there are a lot of other things he would like. And it's going to be a lot harder for this guy to get money for Pennsylvania and, and stay in command and get reelected if he goes against the leadership. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. Oh, I saw this. This is kind of a funny story this week. Um, the uh, mask, uh, this, is, this is, where was it? Was it in Texas? No, Virginia, West Virginia. Conaway County, West Virginia. And they have a picture, and the picture has the silhouette of Batman. And it's a masked character with the, you know, the two, two uh, ears pointed up like Batman and stuff like that. And this is a story actually by Cam Edwards. I like it. He goes, in my nearly 20 years of reporting on the Second Amendment uh, news and issues, I've covered thousands of armed citizen stories, but I've never run across an incident quite like this. The sheriff in Conaway County, West Virginia, reports that four people were taken into custody on suspicion of robbery on Thursday. 
or suspicion of burglary on Thursday after deputies were called out to report to a report of trespassing on the property in on a property in rural part of uh, Charleston, West Virginia. When authorities arrived, they found four individuals still on the scene. They weren't trying to break in the home, though. They were tied up with their hands tied behind their back. The police told deputies that they had been inside the cabin on on Crouch Hollow Road. It's called when they were asked when when they were leaving, a masked a masked man approached <laughs> approached them and tied their hands behind their backs. So they were walking out of the cabin with loot. Okay, and a guy approached them and t- and took them into custody tied their hands behind their back, and he also shot out the tires on their ATV and a truck they were using. And they le- he left them tied up on the floor there, okay? And, uh, and so, so at any rate, he uh, uh, it's interesting. The owner of the cabin was on scene when the investigators came, and he does not use the cabin full time, and, and he noted that it's been broken into several times over the last six weeks. Uh, deputies are, say the investigation revealed the cabin owner is not responsible for tie, tying the four people up. The identity of the masked man is not known. Must be Batman with a bat signal and everything like that. So, or, you know, that made me laugh. I was thinking of uh, Superman, like Superman fighting evil and crime. Or Batman. Now, at least Batman and Robin wore masks, okay? Superman, he only wore glasses, they could never tell the difference between uh, Clark Kent and Superman when he when Su- Clark Kent had his glasses on, and he looked exactly the. I gotta say, I I did note that when my but this was when my kids my grandkids were small, um I want to say like two years old or something like that, and they you know I'm Papa and stuff like that, but if I took my glasses off. They would look at me strange, like, you don't look like Papa. So I guess maybe that really does work if you're a two-year-old as Superman. So anyway, uh, now this is interesting. Um, oh, what is that? Am I going to get the name of that? The uh, People? PICA Act. PICA Act. Derek, can you look that up? The Illinois PICA Act, P-I-C-A. The People something and I don't remember what it is. (laughs) But uh, Illinois has its own, what they're calling, intolerable act. And I didn't, I guess I don't know my history very well around the Boston Tea Party, but there's a thing called the Intolerable Act. We'll talk about that when we get back. This is Dick Kupke at Trigger Talk Radio here at Wham Talk 1600. I'll talk to you in a few minutes. Wham Talk 1600. Welcome back to Trigger Talk Radio with your host, Dick Kupke. Call now, 734-822-1600 to join in the conversation. And we're back. And uh, I now have my guest online. I've got Dr. Anthony Cooling. Dr. Anthony, welcome to Trigger Talk Radio. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And I greatly appreciate uh, your patience with me. Uh, um, 
just for everybody out there, I, I'm in the central time zone, and uh, I was appointed to call at a certain time, and I messed it up, and I'd like to thank uh, the, very much the patients for your host. Oh, and, uh, no yeah. problem. And, and, you know, that's happened before, and uh, that's why I mentioned it when we talked uh, yesterday about uh, the time zone, but you must not have caught that. So, uh, well, let's talk about, matter of fact, I was just going to get into a story about Illinois um, while I was waiting for you uh, about their intolerable act where they've got a new um, a new law that they're actually pushing in House Bill 3062 that would make it impossible for uh, what they call downstaters to have uh, uh, court challenges in, in friendly venues down there. Have you heard of that? Uh, this particular, uh, bill, I haven't, but I'm aware that the, uh, the first challenge to, uh, the recent, uh, assault weapons ban in Illinois was, was filed in, uh, the county adjacent to me. Um, and the way Illinois politics is, you know, 90% of the population is in Chicago and it's, um, it's, it's almost, you know, we joke in Illinois that, you know, Chicago should maybe go out in Lake Michigan and be a separate state because the politics are different. And it forces us uh, downstate to, to deal basically statewide with what, um, what Chicago pushes on us. Your, your listeners may be aware Chicago uh, politics is why Illinois was the last state in the union to get concealed carry via court case in the Seventh Circuit. Um, and we're dealing with some of those consequences today. Yeah. Oh, we've talked about that for years, and I've got a good uh, friend and listener in uh, Danville, Illinois, that calls in all the time. So, um, well, that's not what we were going to talk about, though, today. We're talking about your new book and um, your positions and the representations on uh, legislation and litigation and how they're dovetailing. So can you, uh, why don't you tell us about yourself? Okay. Well, um, I uh, went to uh, Northern Illinois University and got my master's and bachelor's uh, there, and then went off into the military, and I was a gunner's mate in the Coast Guard and a small arms instructor there for a while. Um, And then I got out of the military and went back uh, to school with my GI Bill. Uh, I thought I was going to be a professor, but even in just the 10 years I was gone, the, the, the problem we see with our universities, even just 10 years, had gone they had they'd gone down significantly, and I, I realized that I didn't want to be a professor, so I went into government finance. But I, uh, I, I took my dissertation and turned it into a book called uh, Still a Hollow Hope, right? right. And Hollow Hope uh, is um, uh, about the, uh, the Second Amendment court litigation, right? And the point is not to call the, the Second Amendment a hollow hope, but it's to call the courts themselves a hollow hope. See, but by the time a court decision is made, right, from the Supreme Court or even lower courts that uh, back up a, uh, a right in particular, that the, the battle for that has already been won in the wider cultural war, in the political war, and the cultural war. And so courts don't really, um, they don't lead the charge. They reflect changes that already exist in the culture. So uh, with regards to the Second Amendment, by the time Heller was decided, uh, over half the country uh, had believed that the Second Amendment protected an individual right. And uh, at the time the decision was decided, over half of Congress, the executive branch, um, all supported that right. And so, uh, you know, the court wasn't leading the charge. They were reflecting the changes that were already happening in the culture. But the problem with uh, looking to courts 
right, is that uh, courts don't have any, uh, they don't have, as Alex Hamilton, as Hamilton said, you know, they, they don't have the purse, the money of Congress that they can give people to try to enact change, and they don't have the sort of the executive branch. So courts are basically at the whim of other parties. And so if you have a court decision, as we saw with Heller, 10 years went by where states said, okay, well, you said the Supreme Court, uh, the Second Amendment protects an individual right. Well, um, some states like Texas uh, expanded Second Amendment rights, while other states restricted all the way up to, and it's sometimes uh, stepping over the line that the Supreme Court said in, uh, in Heller. And this is the situation where we are now, uh, once again. So uh, the Supreme Court decided Bruin, um, and you have some states that are going completely the opposite direction, and some states that are, you know, protecting Second Amendment rights, while you have other states that are um, restricting them as much as possible, if not exceeding the, the bright line rule that the court uh, drew in, in, in Bruin. Well, you're close to that with Pritzker in, in Illinois right there, right? Yes, uh, that's true. Um, you know, uh, the, the magazine ban is 15 rounds, um, which is uh, slightly more than the 10 we know historically. But, uh, yeah, I have the misfortune of living in Illinois at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh you know Illinois saw the Supreme Court decision where you know uh th- there's no historical analog for a, a magazine ban right uh that's what Bruin says you have to find a historical analog using originalism and there's there's no historical analog for assault weapons ban the second amendment should have uh, theoretically in the hands of civilians the same implements of war that can be carried um, as a soldier, as the civilian, as a check against government tyranny. And there's no historical analog for a lot of these gun control laws. But that doesn't stop states from passing these laws and they get challenged in court. And if you don't have a, uh, the politics and the culture in that state to support your Second Amendment rights and all you're doing is looking into the courts, you're going to be on this endless perpetual treadmill of trying to protect your rights for court cases and the legislature and the governor of the state is going to ignore them. Um, you have to win these battles in the culture and in the uh, in the ballot box. The um, yeah, the, we see that. Well, Illinois, uh, Washington State, Oregon, all over the place, where uh, the state enacts a law, and then immediately, of course, these groups like uh, Second Amendment Foundation and the Gun Owners of America and stuff, they file suit get an injunction, then then we start this back and forth where one judge will overturn another's injunction and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's correct. And I, I, I don't want people to think that court cases aren't meaningful. They, they do have meaning and they do have impact. You know, uh, The court case uh, in the Seventh Circuit, um, Madigan versus, uh, I can't remember what it was, the Madigan court case was the name of it, and it was the lever, it was the tool you know, that the pry bar that downstate uh, Second Amendment supporters were able to use to pry concealed carry, uh, a concealed carry law into the state of Illinois. So court cases, they, they do have importance, they do have meaning, but ultimately we never would have gotten Heller unless Second Amendment advocates and supporters of gun rights hadn't done the hard work for decades prior to that point getting pro-Second Amendment judges uh, onto the court um, via, you know, advocacy within the Republican Party. 
uh, and uh, to an extent the Democrat Party as well. So courts, they just reflect the culture. They don't, uh, you know, they don't lead the way. So, so do you feel that we're winning this battle? The, 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 the Second Amendment and support for gun rights is one of the few areas in the, in the culture war where conservatives have actually made some substantial gains. If you look back historically in the 1960s and 1970s, this country was on the road to civilian disarmament in the manner of, of England or Australia. And uh, we managed to turn things around. Now, if you look at the wider culture, um, conservatives really haven't conserved all that much, but one of the things that they have done is they've turned back Roe versus Wade, right? This, is, this was a culture right. fight that was fought in the culture, and the courts reflected that change. And the same thing with the Second Amendment. Um, there's a lot of things that uh, haven't really been conserved these past 40 years, but those are two of them because it was fought in the culture, and the courts uh, reflected that change. So um, I think it's interesting. I mean, we've gone, I mentioned earlier um, in the first part of the show, reminding people that 20 years ago in Michigan, we were a May issue state for CPLs. We had 40,000 CPLs in Michigan. Now, 20 years later, we're a, we have been since 2004 a shall issue state, and now we've got 810,000. And so clearly the the public like you said the, the it's the public that was pushing that want and desire and um so it, and if you expand that countrywide look at we've got 340 million guns or something in the country or 300 million guns and 120 140 it depends on who you're talking to yeah. gun owners now so you think that uh this I, I see young people all the time with guns, um, and they're shooting at our ranges, and I instruct them and things like that. Um, are we winning that battle with the hearts and minds of the people? I I, I believe so, um, because there's like a, the, there's a red line that was drawn, like uh, because gun owners really care. Uh, there's a lot of things that happen in the water culture war that, well, as long as it doesn't affect me, uh, well, you know, uh, that, that it happens somewhere else. It's happening in San Francisco. It's happening out in California, and you live somewhere else, and it doesn't, it doesn't affect you personally. But when you have, you know, guns in your closet and guns in your gun safe that you want your children or grandchildren to inherit, um, that, that level of uh, cultural engagement happens with guns. That doesn't happen in a lot of other, uh, uh, for other issues that conservatives wish to conserve. You know, it's funny you're talking about the spread of concealed carry. I, I do have a whole discussion on that in my, uh, in my book. So on page 117, in 1986, there was uh, eight shall issue and one unrestricted, right? And that was Vermont from an old yeah. court case back in the 1900s. And then uh, by, two, by 2008, when Heller was decided, you had 37 May issue states. Now, this book was published, uh, you know, last year, um, at the end of last year. And, you know, at that time, there was 21 uh, shall-issue states, and now it's something like 25, 26. Uh, it just keeps rolling. But the thing is, this is at a state-by-state -state level. You know, we don't have nationwide concealed carry uh, reciprocity um, because state, state political power matters. And that's one, another thing that I, I want to try to get across to your listeners is that federalism matters. Um, states are sovereign entities, and... Uh, 
you know, the laws in one state are going to be different from the laws in another state. And uh, whoever wins those state senator seats, those governorships, um, they have almost as much importance as uh, who wins the presidency, especially for these um, these issues like gun rights. Yeah, we see that. We went from uh, 40 years of uh, conservative majorities in Michigan to uh, Gretchen Whitmer now, who is really turning the state on its head. It does make a big difference, doesn't it? It it does. Um, and uh, part of your problem in Michigan is uh, the expansion of bail-in voting, but that's uh, that's another issue entirely. <laughs> we, t- we have hosts that talk about that all the time, too. So, yep. So um, I want to say, if there's anybody, uh, we're going to actually, we're going to keep talking the rest of this segment, but I would like to have you back again because your discussion here is the kind of things that people think about and they talk and they they would like to ask you questions. And and you guys can call in uh, 734-822-1600 and and Dr. Anthony will will take uh, your calls, I'm sure, but I would like us to, uh, because I was hoping to have you on the first part of the hour so we'd have the second part of the hour to answer questions and stuff. Um, I'm going to have you back again in the future because I'm enjoying this, and I think this is the kind of thing that I, I have a lot of very aware listeners that understand the politics and and stuff like that, but they may not be as aware of the effect of the litigation, uh, things that happen like Bruin. We're all everybody, hooray, hooray, hooray! But immediately, this uh, like New York's governor, Cochol uh, is her name, I think. She immediately makes it her mission to come up with new ways to work around these these rulings, right? Yes, um, and and you know we go back historically, uh, like Brown versus Board of Education. The Supreme Court said you have to desegregate schools with all deliberate speed. Well, 10 years went by, and hardly any schools were uh, desegregated. Uh, the state of Virginia basically privatized its entire school system in order to avoid segregation, uh, desegregation. There's all sorts of ways, because a lot of power resides in the states, uh, states and municipalities, to get around these decisions. The Supreme Court doesn't have an army. The Supreme Court doesn't have police. The Supreme Court can't give money to people to implement the decisions. Their entire reliance on states and governors and sometimes the federal government to implement their decisions. Uh, and so if people resist, then then nothing happens. And then lawsuits get filed, and, and you're on this treadmill. So definitely. Yeah. And I, I want to say, uh, now, your book was actually um, a kind of like a sequel to uh, a book that was done in 1991, right? Called The original one was called Hollow Hope? Yes. Uh, there was a book called uh, The Hollow Hope by a, a law professor named Gerald Rosenberg. And uh, he made, uh, at the then time, very uh, you know cold water on the legal academy uh, case that uh, the Supreme Court reflects the culture rather than implement it. However, like uh, it's a really old idea that goes all the way back to Federalist 1978, or okay. Federalist 78, not 1978. So Alexander Hamilton, in arguing for the adoption of the Constitution, the Anti-Federalist said, look at the Supreme Court, it's too powerful of an institution. And Hamilton said, oh, well, you don't have to worry about it too much because the Supreme Court has neither the purse nor the sword. They don't have the sword of the executive branch, and they don't have the purse of Congress. Right. So it's not going to be a very powerful institution. 
And uh, Rosenberg, through a lot of uh, a lot of data and discussion, uh, you know, showed that this is the case. The Supreme Court reflects the culture rather than uh, leads the charge. And but he studied specific issues like abortion, desegregation, uh, women's rights, and I I took that model and uh, did you know second Second Amendment issues. Uh, he's actually got a third edition coming out in in this year. It's, oh, really? Yep, third edition coming out this spring. Now you actually you published your book in the University of Michigan Press, right? I I did. Um, it's uh, it's a serious academic book, but I wrote it at a level that you know anybody could just pick it up and read it. You know, there's there's only one small section in there with a, a little bit of statistics, but uh, and uh, I I wanted the level of I don't how do I put this uh, respectability I guess for this. Uh, to come out from a peer-reviewed uh, press, and the University of Michigan Press picked it up. I was very lucky that it's the right topic at the right time, people talking about Second Amendment issues, and the Supreme Court had just uh, overturned Roe versus Wade, and so there was a lot of interest in uh, rights and courts at that time, so it got picked up. Well, that was pretty neat. I, I, and I, I want to say you you happened uh, across my podcast somewhere, and that's why you reached out to me and thought my listeners might enjoy this. So, um, now you peruse a lot of podcasts, right? I I I do. Um, I find that uh, you know I'm like I'm a finance officer, and I do a lot of financial reports, and I like to listen to podcasts while I'm while I'm working and. Um, it's someone like you that keeps up with the day to the day, the day to day stuff with all the court cases and all the like. If I tried to keep up uh, day in and day out with the stuff that's going on, second amendment, second amendment issues, you know, it, it, it would be too much for me. And so I listen to a podcast, or I listen to you on the internet, more like a podcast than a radio show. Yep. Uh, and I find that uh, you got you work as a great aggregator for uh, someone like me about you know, what's going on out there, so I don't have to follow day to day. <laughs> That's great. I appreciate that. And um, now, it's interesting, you said Hamilton said that, that Supreme Court doesn't have the purse. But yeah. you know, the other thing is, is that in these individual battles that like, and I use Illinois a lot because Pritzker, uh, I call him fat-ass Pritzker. Uh, Derek, I can still say fat-ass on the radio, right? Yes, okay. <laughs> uh, he's shaking his head at me through the glass here. Um, they can do whatever they want with these things, and, and they can, so he comes out with, with a recommendation or a law and acts it. They fight it in court. There's injunctions back and forth. The purse isn't his; it's the people's purse that he's using our money to to further his Second Amendment um, restrictions, right? Yes. Um, the uh, theoretically, the power should ultimately reside in in the people. Uh, the people are the sovereign, right? So, just a little political theory: like if if there's a king and a monarch, the king is the sovereign. In the United States, uh, we the people, we uh, we the people are the sovereign. So he's using our money uh, for things that uh, to, to restrict to restrict our rights and defend it too, because we have to have either donations and stuff from like the Second Amendment Foundation or Gun Owners of America or other contributions, NRA, ILA. We have to pay for that, and we're still paying as taxpayers the other side as well. They don't have a, a dog in this fight. That's their money. They can spend it all they want, right? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, the government uh, has has those deep pockets, and 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 they don't 
there's a lot of information out there about uh, nonprofits, right? And you have to have a well-funded nonprofit sector in order to take these lawsuits. Um, like uh, Hal, um, uh, Alan Gura, who was the lead attorney in the, in the Heller case, he basically had to almost go it alone. Um, it was hard to get the funding and the financial backing from uh, nonprofits that fund the legal av- advocacy in order to take Second Amendment cases. Um, in fact, we're seeing with a lot of cases where uh, the lawyers are basically getting uh, cancel cultured after they win um, important Second Amendment cases. Yeah, I've heard that. Uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's happening. So um, I know a lot of people aren't donating to uh, the NRA right now with the the stuff going with uh, Wayne LaPierre. Yeah, I know. I'm I've but, been an advocate for still support the NRA ILA, but not the NRA itself. I'm not a, not happy with Wayne LaPierre. Yes, I, I would agree. The Institute for Legislative Action uh, that they do back a lot of these court cases. Um, there's other nonprofits out there that are uh, that are taking these court cases. They have to find a sympathetic client. They have to find someone willing to basically upturn their life for six months to a year in order to, uh, or if not longer, to be the person who has standing in the court case. The, the reason it's called Heller, they have a whole range of clients. Um, sympathetic, you know, single mothers living in a bad neighborhood. Ultimately, it was Dick Heller was the only one that went down there and tried to register the pistol um, so that he had, quote, standing in order to sue. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, also, you got some theories we talked about on the phone the other day about uh, the, the younger culture with uh, people with video games and stuff, and that's contributing to their support of Second Amendment rights. Yes. Um, there is a lot of interest, uh, especially with historical firearms, um, based upon uh, children playing first-person shooter video games, right? Um, Hickok45 is a big YouTuber, right? He right. has all these specials about cowboy action guns because everybody's playing right now this uh this cowboy action game called Red Dead Redemption. It's a pretty good game. I've played some of it, right? <laughs> okay. You know, um my middle child who's 17 all of a sudden he tells me he wants a top break school filled revolver. He just tells me that out of the blue. <laughs> I'm like, "Why do you want a top break school filled?" I, you know, I've taken him plinking with like a 22. Uh, well, that's his favorite gun in the game, right? So, uh there's uh, there's a lot of uh, one of the ways I, I believe that the wider culture is getting a greater acceptance of firearms, you know, in the 1970s, 1980s, we didn't have these kind of video games that were uh, hyper-realistic with yeah. firearms like that. And you have that now, and it's, it's, getting, it's getting the culture, um, uh, uh, getting the youth involved. Pretty neat. Well, I, I don't know if you can hear the music playing on your end, but we've only got about 60 seconds left of this segment. Uh, tell us about your book one more time. Where can people get it? Yeah, you can just go to uh, Amazon and type in Still Ohio Hope, uh, Anthony Cooling, and that's my name, and it should, uh, should come up. Okay, and can you can I uh, get you back on here again in the future? To We need more time to talk about this stuff. Anytime, sir. Okay. Anytime. Well, thank you for calling in today. And uh, I want to say to people who may have wanted to ask Anthony a question, we'll do this in the future, and I'll let you know ahead of time. This is Dick Kupke and Dr. Anthony Cooling at Trigger Talk Radio in Ann Arbor, Michigan, WAAM. See you next week.